on this episode of Free Beer and Real Estate. It is much better for you to have a higher interest rate with more money in the bank than to have a lower interest rate and clear out your savings to pay over market value on a property. Hey everyone, it's time again to crack open a cold one and talk real estate with Mike Ferrante from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team based in Cleveland, Ohio. We are chatting about all things real estate, from agent training, real estate investing, buyer and seller tips, and more. It's free beer and real estate. All right. What is up, everybody? We've got another special session of weekly training here with Tony and Mike, and we're going to talk all about this rising interest rate environment. I know you guys are tired of talking about it, but we have to because rates are still going up. And I think that buyers and sellers are kind of freaking out. And we're going to give you some great talking points, uh, not sales talk, but actual real uh, empathetic words that we can use with our clients. And we've got Kelly Ann Worthington from Liberty Home Mortgage on with us, and she's going to help explain a couple of things to us. And I have some great questions for Kelly, so stay tuned for that. Um, let me do official introductions. I'm Mike Ferrante with Century 21 Homestar, 21 Mike Team. We run a real estate team going all the way from Cleveland down to Columbus, and we're with this awesome brokerage called Homestar, Century 21 Homestar, and there's a broker owner by the name of Tony Geraci who joins us every week for these training calls, and he's here right now. Tony is uh, amazing for so many reasons, Tony, and let me just keep kissing up to you a little bit for a minute and say how he's available to his over 500 agents by his cell phone, and it's, it's pretty unique because you know, Tony's uh, whole job is just to help agents be more productive. And you can reach out to Tony. Text is a great way to reach him at 216-374-1269. And of course, for me, email's better, mike at 21mike.com. Anything to add to that spectacular introduction, Tony? No, that's perfect. It's better every time. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk for a second about our special guest because, you know, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about um, the whole mortgage process and, and rates rising and what's going on and some different loan products that are out there to help buyers and sellers get their house sold and buyers buy houses. And I, I, I want to clear up some of those myths today. Um, but also K Kelly has a unique perspective because she really treats the business with empathy. I, I love that you used that word earlier, Kelly, because I think that uh, we get co so caught up in sales mode that we forget about the feelings involved. So uh, Kelly is with Liberty Home Mortgage. Uh, of course, a lot of you guys know Hesh, who's um, you know very well known in the Cleveland area. And Kelly, do you, uh, go ahead and uh, tell us, you, you kind of run your own little branch under Liberty. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so um, hello, everyone. My name is Kelly Ann Worthington. I am a branch manager and senior loan officer with Liberty Home Mortgage. Um, so like Mike said, Hesh uh, Sagapi is the broker owner of the company um, and manages the company, but he also has branches throughout uh, the different states across the United States. And so I run one of those branches. Uh, so my license is held in Ohio. My branch is in Willoughby Hills, but I cover the entire state of Ohio, as well as uh, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Tennessee, California, Florida, and Washington. So I'm able to uh, work in all of those states. I believe Liberty Home Mortgage as a corporation is licensed in 45 states total. Um, so uh, we really cover the whole gamut. The two main things we don't do, obviously, are commercial and vacant land, but everything else we pretty much can cover. And so um, I really, I've been working with them for years, and I just absolutely love what we do. I love our process. 
process. I love our management team. Um, I love my own team, uh, you know, and our job is to be here um, to really help communicate, right? That's my biggest things, at least as myself as a lender, because every lender is different. Um, but myself as a lender, the big things I focus on are just communi uh, communication, integrity, empathy, and ethics, right? Um, I think in this market, it can get so easily lost. And there's multiple different reasons for that. But it's the core of, you know, how I run and operate my business. So um, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here and help, um, you know, guide and clarify and not everything I'll say people agree with and that's okay but it's at least my opinion of what's going on in the market and you know here to help and answer any questions I can for you. Yep and I've got a couple really specific questions that we'll get to about some loan products but in the meantime uh, the one thing we didn't say is how people get in touch with you and we'll say that again at the end but yeah let's how do we want to get in touch with you? Sure. So the easiest way, I'm very similar uh, to uh, Tony Geraci. I really prefer text communication. Um, emails are fine too, as well as phone uh, calls. Uh, but with this industry, we're in and out of meetings and on the phone with calls and things like that. So we can really get back, to, at least I can, uh, in what I do day to day, uh, very quickly via text. But phone call and uh, email are always welcome. So my direct cell phone number, because I always like everybody going to me directly, they don't need to go through an office, is 440. 346-6003. Uh, my email address is kworthington, W-O-R-T-H-I-N-G-T-O-N at libertyhm, like home mortgage.com. So kworthington at libertyhm.com. Cool. Thanks for that. Um, now let's get into some of the meat of the conversation here. Kelly, you were talking earlier about how we had like a 4% increase in mortgage rates this year, and that's not typical. Um, and a lot of us are talking about, well, you know, even rates in the sevens really aren't that bad his historically. So why don't you take a second and kind of um, talk about, I know you said, oh, people think the lenders are the ones making the rates, but really that's kind of a trickle down from other things going on, mostly in government. Um, can you give us a real quick summary of that? And then I'm going to flip it to Tony to talk about the historical perspective, because Tony's been doing this for a couple of years, at least. What is it going on 30? So I'll, I'll ask you, Kelly, for the brief explanation and then Tony for a historical perspective. Absolutely. And I and like I was saying to you, I think that's where some of the confusion has started to arise with clients and with realtors, especially realtors and clients that are new to the home buying process and have not purchased, you know, prior to 2020, right? So basic synopsis is in 2020, obviously global pandemic, everything shut down, government needed to keep the economy running. And so how do they do that? They need people out there spending money. So what do they do? They drop the rates drastically to one of the lowest, I think, ever in history so that people are wanting to go out there and buy. And I think it was a shock to the lending and real estate system because we thought everything was going to stop and everything just exploded. Right. And so people were buying because rates were in the ones and twos and, you know, it was great. And so everybody was buying all these homes. Well, the problem is that as the economy started to recover from the pandemic and as we started to deal with what the pandemic was and what was going on uh, in the global economy, um, in the stock market, um, with inflation starting to slowly creep up from what had happened from in the pandemic. Those started to create a concern within the Federal Reserve Bank and uh, all of that to have to fight inflation. And the way they fight inflation is by increasing the federal rate, right? And so the federal rate actually affects all the other rates that are out there, meaning credit card rates, car loan rates, mortgage rates, et cetera. And so each time, 
time, the Fed gets together for their lovely meeting in DC, then they come out and make their decision and then the stock markets act accordingly. And so what we really, when we went into 2021, we basically were around three, right? And I mean, 2022, apologies. So, you know, between 2020 and 2021, we were within the one to three range. Well, when we went into 2022 at three, typically, right, average again, uh, what happened was we were aware the Fed had come out and very clearly stated that they planned to increase rates over the year. What we were not prepared for, I guess we just didn't expect, was for them to change as rapidly, as frequently, and as drastically as what they did. Um, so what happened was every time they had a meeting, they came out, they came out with their decisions about inflation and what was going on in the economy, and they made their adjustment. What happens is that that adjustment then was affecting the secondary mortgage market. So a lot of like what you said, people think that each lender is like, oh, I'm just going to pick this rate. That's not how it works. We work within the secondary mortgage market and the secondary mortgage market is who determines the rates. So each time the Fed has had a meeting, the secondary mortgage market has freaked out a little bit. And so typically the week to two weeks after that meeting, your rates, cost rate, et cetera, are going to be astronomically higher until the market adjusts, new rates are opened and things settle down a bit and then they stabilize. But then over the year, they've just kept having these meetings and they've kept increasing the rates. So I don't know the total history of rates over like the lifespan of mortgage loans, but I do know that this rate increase from being in the threes to now in the sevens typically um, is just one of the largest mortgage rate increases in the history of mortgage rates and lending. And again, it's not the lenders. We don't want to give you those rates. You know, we'd love to be back in the twos, but we have to go based off the rates we're given by the secondary mortgage market. And so that's kind of been the synopsis of what has happened. And just quickly, just to state on that so that I don't forget, it's very important in the real estate and lending industry to be aware that there are two other scheduled meetings coming up. I believe the dates, and I could be wrong, but there, uh, one I believe is coming up on Friday, November 4th, and the other one is coming up in December on, I believe, the 10th. So you need to be aware of those dates because what's going to happen is after they come out from those meetings, there's going to be most likely another either rate hike, cost to the rate hike, et cetera, that's going to happen. And the market for the two weeks after that is going to be very unstable while everything adjusts and shifts accordingly. So I hope right. that answers that. Yeah, no, thanks for that thorough explanation. Um, so Tony's been in the business for a long, long time. And, you know, Tony, I, I was just wondering if you could shed some historical perspective on all that over the last 30, 30 or so years. You know, what does this look like compared to your experience? Oh, definitely. Well, I'll just say this to start with is that the 1990 or 9091 was the first time in the, the 20 years prior that the rates came under 10%. So in the 70s and in the 80s, go, uh, rates were in between 10 and 15%. So when we hit the 90s, all relative, and when we hit the 90 in the 1990s, and we're like, oh my gosh, rates are under 10%. And when I got in the business in 92, rates were, the average rate was a high eights. So when I got in the business, it was booming, in 92, because people were like, oh, my God, the interest rates are so low, <laughs> high eights. Right now, we're in, in this around seven and low sevens. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, it's so high. It's all relative to where you are. So historically, 
I'll just tell anybody, it's just rates. I mean, if you want to go highs to lows, kind of like the stock market, it, it's very possible over the next couple of years, rates could go into the tens. It's very possible. It's been there before. Will the rates go back down to twos and threes? I Again, I don't have a crystal ball. CNN's not calling me. But I, I if you, someone say, Tony, will the rates go to 15 or 2%? Which one is a better chance? I go 90% chance. If, it's, if I know it's going to go one way, it's going to go 15, not two. You know, that was a gift. That was like free money. But also what happened, not to take too long-winded, is what happens when you get cheaper money, then the prices of everything go up because you got it cheap. That's why the values of the houses went up because everybody could afford it and it's cheap houses, just like cars. Why are we paying $50,000, $60,000 for a car? Because we could get cheap money to pay for it. So hopefully that explains everything, you know, a little bit more than the last 30 years in history. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue into something Kelly and I were talking about is that, you know, those of you who were trying to buy or did buy, you know, and you got the lower rate, you probably had to compete for your house paying and twenty fifty thousand dollars over list price that's not a normal market in a normal balanced market you know you're paying 95 percent of list price or if things are still kind of competitive where you're buying maybe a little bit over list price uh hopefully i didn't break up there too much you guys still got me no, you're good now you're good okay all right. Uh, but yeah, so I, I guess the good news is, and Kelly, I think this kind of segues into what one of the things we were going to talk about is how to talk to buyers about this rate change is the good news is, hey, it's not as competitive. So you're not being forced to give up the farm, not do inspections, you know, escalation clauses, all those crazy things we were doing. But instead, you're paying a bit more on the mortgage rate. So I was wondering, you know, if you could talk about as realtors, you know, how do we have that conversation with our buyers so that we don't sound like we're just trying to sell them? Right. Well, I think one thing that is an easy, obvious way to have a conversation is go print out what the rates have been over the past 20 years. Um, it's a literal physical graphic that you can show that just shows the rates, right? You're not making up a number. You're not telling them, oh, it's you know been here before because they might not believe you. Go find a graphic that shows what the rates are, right? What they've been over the past 20 years. Rates are an ebb and flow. They go up and down just like our economy goes up and down. Uh, so I think having a graphic that is easy for people to read and see and understand, everybody's different, right? You have different people who learn different ways and take in information different ways. And so some people are visual. So having something that can visually be shown to them of the different rates over the past 20 years is a, a great tool, I think, to use as a realtor uh, to help show that you're not just making this up or placating them. Um, the other thing that I think, and I'm so glad you hit on it, right? All these people that are like, oh, well, my friend got this house for, you know, 300000 at 2% interest. Well, your friend probably paid $40,000 over the actual market value of the house. People were bringing cash, like additional cash, not financed to the table out of their savings, trying to buy these homes because a house would go on the market and you'd have 50 people looking at it Literally. and you would have to compete. And, and I had buyers who literally just didn't get a home because they went and put offers in on 20 different homes and not a single offer got accepted because they were going up against 50 other offers. There were escalation clauses. They were paying cash over market value. There were even appraisers that were coming back with lower values 
over the purchase price and they were paying that additional fund. And, you know, what happened, and I said this to people a lot, especially a lot of realtors over the past two years that, you know, I've worked with and had conversations with is that in those situations, in five years, those people are going to have something happen in their life where they need to sell their home and they're going to be underwater. And that's a horrible, they're going to be in the red, right? It's a horrible place to be. And so I think one of the benefits that is a real benefit, it's not just trying to sales pitch somebody is you are going to go into buying a home without having to offer 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 over asking price. You're not going to be going up against 50 other offers. You might be going up against two to five, um, if, you know, if any. Right. I'd rather not go over 50,000 on a market value and have a little bit higher of an interest rate than to, you know, go in and have to pay, get, you know, less for the opposite. So it's just, I think that's very important to remember. And I think it's also important, and I'm sure you guys can touch on this a little bit. Most people do not stay in their home for more than five years. Typically people tend to move. I mean, occasionally you'll have people who buy their forever home or stay in their home for 15, 20 years, but most people are going to be moving at some point. And so in that real life, typical normal situation, it is better to have a home value that you are not overpaying for so that when you go to sell that property, you hopefully have equity built in the home instead of being in the red and having to actually bring money to closing as a seller to pay for the decrease that you haven't covered yet in paying off your loan. And the other thing with that that I think is just very important to remember is that, you know, even if you are planning to stay in this home and you're like, okay, well, right now I'm paying 7.25% or 7.15%. And this is my forever home. Well, great. At some point, those rates during your 30 years of your mortgage are probably going to drop back down below that. And at that point, you can refinance it into a lower rate. You know, you cannot change handing out $50,000 additional cash out of your pocket. You can change an interest rate that costs a few thousand dollars in closing costs to refinance. And so that's the biggest thing that I think selling-wise verbiage for realtors to communicate to their clients is, it is much better for you to have a higher interest rate with more money in the bank than to have a lower interest rate and clear out your savings to pay over market value on a property to get a home, at least in my opinion. Yeah. It well, is I mean, certainly, this yeah, I mean, certainly that's the that's the that's the trade off between six to 12 months ago and now. Um, so that Kelly, that's a great segue into something I wanted to talk about. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Mike Ferrante from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team, real estate agents serving all of Ohio. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, or you're an agent looking to partner with the number two team for Century 21 in the entire U.S., contact Mike via email at mike at 21mike.com. First of all, what you were talking about, we we used to do appraisal gaps. You know, this is something in in 16 years of being a realtor, I'd never heard of an appraisal gap. And we started talking about that with our buyers. Hey, if the house doesn't appraise, are you willing to pay more out of your savings to make it work? Because we were having that trouble. That's less prevalent now. So so that's part of the good news. And I think bringing up all these positives is a good way to talk to your clients. Uh, but now going back to the time in the home, I think this is where we start talking to buyers about different loan products. And I can tell you from personal conversations, I've had realtors, seasoned realtors say, oh, no, Mike, 
arms are bad. You know, these, these different types of different loan products are bad. Well, I'm of the opinion that there's no good or bad loan products. It just, it's a matter of do they fit or do they not fit? And I think right now, one of the things we're able to do is get sellers to give credits back to buyers because it's not so competitive and buy down the interest rate. So Kelly, I, I was wondering if you could talk for a minute about what it means to buy down an interest rate. And again, these funds to buy it down can possibly come from the seller and sellers open your minds to this. Buyers don't be afraid to ask. So Kelly, tell us, kind of define that for us. Right. So I love the topic of seller concessions. My email that went out to all the realtors that I connect with last month was specifically about seller concessions. Um, And it's funny because, you know, two years ago, listing agents would laugh at you if you even said the word seller concessions. And fair enough, it was a market that it just wasn't something prevalent when you've got 50 offers coming in. For sellers, I think it's important from the selling side to remember that, you know, seller concessions are not a bad thing. You're still getting your property money, but it's a way, especially if your house is maybe, you know, has some things that aren't the greatest features to it, or that, you know, maybe you don't have a lot of offers and you want to entice some people, you can help by giving some seller concessions. Now, what are seller concessions? Seller concessions are one point equals 1% of the loan, uh, loan amount, um, right? Uh, So let me rephrase that. That's inaccurate of how I stated that. So when you have a purchase price and you say, I'm going to give you 2% seller concessions, what you're saying is that you are going to give 2% of the purchase price to the client. Now, the benefit to the client in uh, something that isn't talked a lot about in the industry, but I try to give knowledge on it a lot, is what's called the Maven High Cost Test, right? So to stick to the concession part first, and then I'll come back to that. So a seller can give certain percentages based on the loan amount of the client to entice the client to accept the, you know, to buy their home. So with conventional loans, uh, it starts typically at 3%, but depending on how much the person is putting down, they can go higher than that. On FHA, it's 6% of the purchase price is the maximum. USDA is up to 6% and VA is up to 4%, but then you can also give other gifts, et cetera, to buy down rates, pay funding fees, things like that. So those are the typical seller concession amounts of the purchase price. And again, the benefit to the seller is they can accept those as a way to entice the buyer to buy their home, especially if your home's been on the market for a little bit. Um, it's definitely something to consider thinking about, um, especially if you have equity in the property, because it could just be a few thousand dollars that you're giving, but it can help you get your home sold so that you can move on with the next phase of your life. From the buyer's side, don't be afraid to ask for them. It's a negotiation topic. Uh, does the seller have to give you concessions? No. No, they absolutely have the right to refuse that, but the benefit is that they can. And sometimes you can even, as a strategy, offer a little bit over asking to get seller concessions uh, back on the back end. Um, The benefit to seller concessions and what they cover is seller concessions cover three things, closing costs, prepaids, and discount points. So now to talk about the discount points. It's called buying down your rate. So basically, you are allowed within regulation guidelines to lower your interest rate by buying it down. This is not always a good decision to make. So a lot of times I'll have clients just be like, I want to buy the I want to buy the rate down. I want to buy the rate down. It's important to talk with your lender about why. 
how long you plan to be in the home, um, you know, what the reason for buying the rate down is, et cetera, because a good lender will have that conversation with you and guide you through it. If you are planning to only be in a home for a short period of time, buying down a rate typically is not something you want to do. It's not worth the money that you're spending out of pocket. We have what we call the five-year rule. And basically what we do is we look at what is the lowest cost rate you can get. Because right now, another thing to be aware of is that most interest rates come with a cost now. We didn't have that before in the past two years, but now most rates have a cost, right? Um, and again, that's not the lender giving the cost, it's the secondary mortgage market and the cost to get that rate. Um, when you look, so the five-year rule, five rule is that when you look at the, the lowest cost rate you can get, and then what the rate is that you want to buy down to, we look to see what the difference in the payment would be, your principal and interest. That's what we're referring to when we say payment. And then we look at what the cost difference would be to buy that lower payment. When you take the difference, so if you had, say, a $100 difference in your payment, and then you took the cost of that rate and divided it out by five years of 12-month-a-year payments, if it takes more than five years to buy, pay back that buy-down, it's in my opinion, not worth it to do. It's simple um, math, down yeah. Very simple. So you just take the difference of what the principal and interest would be at the lowest cost rate you can get versus the one you want to buy down to. And if that cost difference of that rate that you have to pay in your closing costs is more than five years, we just don't recommend doing it. It's not worth it. A lot of times people freak out over a difference of a quarter or an eighth of a percentage point, and they don't realize that typically that might be a difference of $10 in a payment, right, but they're right. like, $4,000 to get that quarter difference of an interest rate. And so it's very important to have a conversation with your lender about, is it worth buying down the rate? Right. And then so, the so, for your, uh, yeah, go ahead. I just well, I was going to say kind of to sum that up, buying down a rate is one option. Talk to your lender, have them help you do the math. The other option, and Tony, I wanted to throw a quick question to you because I know you have to bolt here soon. This whole perception of of arms being bad, okay? That an, an arm is an adjustable rate mortgage, but it, it, adjustable rate mortgages are locked for a short period of time—three, five, seven, ten years—I think are the typical terms. Uh, during which time that rate doesn't change, and and these adjustable rate mortgages, you get a little better rate because the bank is not committing to thirty years at this this rate. So therefore, they give you a little better rate. But Tony, back in the crash of '08, a lot of people got hurt by arms, and some people lost their homes. So there's this negative perception of them. And I was wondering if you could just elaborate on that and how '08 is different than now, and why arms should be a consideration. Oh, definitely. I mean, obviously the easy, uh, if you know you're not going to stay in the property that long, that's easy. You're like you got a five-year arm, you're definitely moving or you need to get a, uh, you know, this is a first time home and you're going to get a bigger home, that kind of thing. Also in this market, we don't see the values coming down as, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, values coming down as much of that. So as much as they were in 08. So we have people that couldn't get out, couldn't refinance out of their arms. So they didn't have the equity in their house. So as long as, in my opinion, as long as you have the ability to refinance somewhere in that arm period without a big prepayment penalty, because not too many have prepayment penalties anymore, but just that's a specific question to ask your loan officer. If I get an arm, if I decide, if I 
sell this house the next three years or five years, or I want all of a sudden the rates come down and you want to refinance out of it. Cause that's a good thing. What a lot of people do say that you get an arm now, I'm just throwing out a number and it's like 6%. And then all of a sudden the rates come down to a little under six, two years from now, you're like, okay, let me refinance out of my arm. So now I'm in a fixed rate and I don't have to worry about the arm anymore. So a lot of it can do that. So you could always get out of that too. Yeah. Uh, and again, and I think maybe that was the point you were hitting on is that I don't feel the values are going to come down that much where you can't refinance it. Maybe within a year or two, if you're putting that minimum like three, three and a half percent down, maybe you might be close to that. But if you're putting five, 10, 15, if you're putting 10, 15, 20% down, you're going to be fine to refinance out of that. Yeah. So I think there was a combination of things. Uh, values were dropping in 08 through 2012. A lot of people lost their jobs. And a lot of people didn't investigate the terms of the arm. So they did a three-year arm and they weren't aware of how much those rates could change after three years. So these are all considerations. Um, I know we're running over time here, but Kelly, if you have a couple more minutes, um, if you could tell us about you know, like your adjustable rate products, because I think people don't really understand that if you do a three or five-year arm, it's not like the rate can go from six to 12 in one year typically, right? Right. So there's regulations with the arms. Uh, it's called an adjustable rate mortgage, like you said, meaning that the rate is not is going to adjust compared to a fixed rate mortgage, which is what everybody has been getting over the years, which is a guaranteed just set fixed rate for the life of the loan of the 30 years or the 20 or 15 or 10 or whatever you do. So there is a benefit to an arm. And I think, Tony, what he said first was spot on. An arm is not for somebody who is looking to stay long term in a property. So and an arm is for somebody who's maybe looking like, so for example, I've had doctors who come in and they're doing a you know two-year residency program in a city and they want to own a home. They don't want to live in an apartment. And so they want to buy a home, but they know in two years, they're going to be gone, right? And so they can get an adjustable rate mortgage because they're coming in, they're getting a lower rate, they're making a lower payment, and then they're going to move and sell their home. Um, it is important to remember, just like another thing, and I thought Tony's points were really good, is that if you're putting the minimum down, adjustable rate mortgages can be a little bit riskier because there's to refinance, you, there are rules on your loan to value percentage that you have to be at. And so like you said, Mike, one of the big issues that had come up in 08 was that market values were coming down, but there's a regulation rule that states for primary residents, you have to have 80% loan to value to refinance, right? You can't go over that. And so um, that's where people were getting into trouble is then they couldn't refinance out of those and they couldn't sell their home, which is the only other way out of refinancing to get out of an arm. And so that's where all the problems started to just completely combust. So an arm is a benefit. Um, right now, the rates aren't drastically different for an arm. Uh, they're, they're starting to increase that gap between a fixed rate and an arm, uh, but they're still pretty close. But I think over this next year, you're going to see more and more people starting to look at them. But basically what it states is there's a term. So for a certain period of time frame, you have a fixed rate. And then after that, every year or two years, then that rate can adjust, but there's a rule on how much it can adjust. So it can't mm -hmm. adjust more than example, 2% over that. So if you came in at six, it couldn't go above eight or things like that. So it can't just go from six to 15% or, right. you know, anything protections in there. But like you said, it's just, it's a conversation to be had with your lender. It's yeah. most 
about what is your purpose for buying? How long do you plan to be there? And then what is the best fit for you? Because sometimes it might just be looking at a different loan type instead of an arm looking at conventional versus FHA or USDA versus VA or, you know, things like that. Each of them have different interest rates. Each of them have different rules. And you can always also look at the option. A lot of people don't think about this, but you could look at the option of doing a 25-year loan or a 20-year loan or a 15 or a 10 at a fixed rate instead of doing a 30. Um, that's another option to lower your interest rate. The lower your years, the lower your interest rate. So between arms or looking at a shorter loan term on a fixed rate, there's multiple different ways to look at or buying down using seller concessions, et cetera, to buy down the rate. But the one thing I did want to touch on was that Maven rule. And for primary residences, when you're buying, you are not allowed to pay, even if you want to, more than 3% of your loan amount in fees. And the fees do include points that you are paying. So that's where seller concessions can be a huge benefit because it gives you that extra percentage that you can use to buy down the rate or lower your closing costs at the table when you're signing. So there are definite benefits to that. That's perfect. That's a great kind of wrap up comment. So Kelly, one more time, uh, give us your contact info. Yeah. So Kellyanne Worthington, branch manager, senior loan officer, Liberty Home Mortgage, cell phone, direct text call anytime I'm available seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. 440-346-6003. And my email address is kworthington, W-O-R-T-H-I-N-G-T-O-N at Liberty H-M, like home mortgage, libertyhm.com. Awesome. Well, thanks. We, we That was all good stuff. I'm glad we uh, ran a little over for that. But uh, obviously, we have to have our minds open to kind of adapt to this changing uh, market. Uh, Tony, I know you've got to jump on your training, but thanks for joining us as you always do. We really appreciate your insights as well. Thanks, thanks. for joining us, everyone. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye, guys. I'll see you all bye next bye. week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed free beer, and real estate from Century 21 Homestar and the 21 Mike team. Please subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube by searching for Mike Ferrante, Cleveland Realtor. You will find videos, training, and even recipes from 21 Mike's Vegan Kitchen.